Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. everybody welcome to another episode of the nomad strength show i'm ross hillier your host today i am joined by joel burham of whitetail fit i was really excited to get to talk to joel i've been following his page for uh several years now and it's probably one of the first hunting pages or hunting focused pages that i ever followed um and he's got a lot of really great content and so i was really uh really pumped to be able to get to talk to him today about how he started Whitetail Fit, what uh, his his mission is for it, how he got into hunting. He came from uh, a childhood where neither parent uh, grew up. He didn't grow up hunting. It wasn't really part of his world. And he's really changed a lot of that within his family. He had mentioned a story with his uh, older brothers where he's gotten, gotten them into hunting as well, which is really cool. And he just has a very positive outlook on things and it puts out a lot of great content. So I was just pumped to get to talk to him today about all of that. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy this episode today with him. You can go find him over at Whitetail Fit pretty much everywhere. Uh, if you just search Whitetail Fit, he'll pop up. Got some great merch, great hats, all that kind of stuff. So go support what he's doing. And I'm excited for you guys to listen to this. Before we hop into the episode, uh, go support Ride On Optics. They are the official sponsor of the show and they are awesome guys. We had Brady on the podcast, the founder and CEO, last week. Uh, if you haven't listened to that one and you want to catch the story of Ride On and Brady's story of how he grew the company, I would encourage you to go check that out. They make uh, the highest quality optics, rifle scopes, red dots, binoculars for the price anywhere. And uh, I have a one primal. 4 through 16 by 44 rifle scope that just got here the other day. I'm super pumped to go put that on my hunting rifle, get it up sighted and ready to go for this hunting season so I can report back and 
just tell you guys how awesome it is. I already know it's awesome, but I'm excited to go use it into the field. And uh, they've got not only great products, but they have an awesome education platform with Right On University. They have the Right On podcast, and it's just a ton of great information if you're at all interested in learning more about firearms. And uh, just go to rightonoptics.com, R-I-T-O-N optics.com and check them out and follow them on Instagram, Right On Optics, and pretty much anywhere you go to search type in right on optics and they'll be there. So go check them out. Awesome people and uh, awesome stuff. And then if you guys have not joined the Nomad Tribe yet, please look at it because it's awesome. And we are having a lot of really cool things happen in there, a lot of community happening. And it's really the point of why I started this is to grow a community. And that's what's happening inside there. We're actually talking about real things. We're talking about strength and health and how we can be strong for our families and communities and uh, getting also a ton of exclusive content that I don't post anywhere else. Videos, long form articles, uh, behind the scenes stuff for the podcast. We're also going to do some challenges coming up. And uh, it's just a ton of extra stuff that we're putting in there. So go to tribe.nomad-strength.com and check it out. And it's only 15 bucks a month if you guys want to come be in the, in the part of the tribe part of the community and just be with a bunch of other like-minded folks who want to get strong and healthy and be useful to them, to their families and to their communities and, and meet a lot of cool people along the way. So go again, tribe.nomad-strength.com and check it out. And now let's get into the conversation with Joel. All right, everyone, I've got Joel Burham here from Whitetail Fit. What's going on, man? How you doing? Man, I'm doing good. How are you, Ben? Oh, good. It's... uh. This is a kind of a crazy time of year to get you free, I would imagine, uh, <laughs> in any capacity, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been all over the place hunting. Uh, I just got back from South Dakota. I was bow hunting antelope up there. Um, I'm probably going to head back. Uh, so I went for the opener, but I'm probably going to head back here in the next probably week. Um maybe towards the end of this week or early next week, I'll probably head back out there cause they're going to start rutting here soon. So yeah. it's a little bit, a little bit more fun to bow hunt them when they're in the rut. So they're pretty aggressive animals, but yeah, it was, uh, I, I know that when, when I, when I originally talked to you about a month or so ago, you were just getting ready to leave to go to that South Dakota trip. And, mm. uh, I was just coming back from South Dakota myself. And I was just telling you before we hopped on that that was my first time actually in that state. And I was, pleasantly surprised that there was actually more than just great plains like you're told i mean there's a lot of different area and terrain and that kind of stuff and it would be super fun to hunt just from the driving through it that we did yeah and you know one thing that i that i was uh pretty surprised with was there were um a lot more numbers of animals than i was than i was like expecting i guess so I, i'm from nebraska and uh Around here, you know, we've got antelope, mule deer, whitetail. Um, we've got a little bit of elk here and there out in the western portion. But um, the numbers, the sheer numbers of animals in South Dakota were just like through the roof compared to Nebraska, which was kind of cool to see, you know. Uh, and uh, but, yeah, it's it's a fun state. Really, really cool state. So that's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about whitetail fit. And you've recently made and I can't remember. It's been how long has it been since you left the job job to do this? Yeah. So, um, August, 
31st of this year. Uh, so like a couple weeks ago, it would have been one year okay. doing this. I was thinking oh. it was fairly recent. So uh, yeah. give everyone the rundown on how it actually came to be and how, you know, it started as just this little side gig thing while you were working a regular job. And now it's like actually everything that you're doing. So yeah. how did that all happen? Yeah. So, um, way back. So back when I was like 14 years old, I started working in construction and, uh, it was a good job, you know, it, it, in terms of, um, it was something to wake up, go to every morning and, uh, have, uh, stable income and stable work hours, you know, construction isn't going anywhere. It's a booming industry for the most part. Um, and so anyway, so I started working construction like, like early, early on and all through high school. And, uh, so anyway, I was just very adapted to construction. So, um, anyway, that was kind of like my, this is what I'm going to do. Right. Like, yeah. It, it's stable. It, you know, I didn't go to college. I went through, um, um, a couple of semesters, but it, I just realized that it wasn't really for me. I worked better with my hands. Yeah. Uh, I think better on the feet. Like it, it, it was, a, uh, it was just not something that I like was really drawn towards. Um, so anyway, so I started working construction. I got really good at concrete, which is, uh, don't get good at concrete. Otherwise you will, uh, be sent out to every single concrete job and be like the concrete guy. And concrete, um, takes a pretty nasty toll on your body, um, on your joints, on your knees, especially your lower back, especially, um, just finishing and pouring concrete, obviously concrete's heavy. It puts so much stress on your body and, and, you know, I'm 28 years old and I feel like I've got joints of, you know, twice that. So, yeah. uh, but anyway, so how it all kind of started and began. So I've been bow hunting, um, ever since I could, you know, I, I started shooting a bow when I was about 10 or 11 years old. And, uh, I got into it just from the, honestly, from watching like, uh, real tree videos, old school, real tree yeah. videos, um, old school jury outdoors when they got started filming and stuff like that. I was, wa I was buying all of their old DVDs that were on the sale rack. You know, they, they were yeah. five years old, but I was like, Oh man, this, you know, I want, I want to buy this. And actually when I first started watching them, it was VHS tape. And then I started getting into the DVDs and stuff like that. But, um, there's so many so people I, that could I, potentially listen to this and have no clue what a VHS is. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I think most people that would like, listen to this are of the age group that would know, but like there's, I have like people that, and I'm sure you do too, that follow on Instagram that I know for a fact, just because they're like in their late teens, early twenties, like wouldn't have a clue. And it's just yeah. the weirdest thing to me. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, here we are, we've got people, we've got, guys that are turned 20, 21 years old or whatever. And it's like, you think about when they were born. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's 2021, right? right. Isn't that wild? And I, I'm thinking it hurts about my that. head, man. Wait a minute. Hold on. You know, it's just, it's the one, it's wild. the one, uh, and it just made me think of this, but I saw this, uh, meme or whatever the other day. And it said like from th from this year to 1980 is the same amount of time as it 1980 to 1939. Oh, like come that's on. the like that's the same gap of time. <laughs> so I was like reading that. I'm like, wait a minute, what? That doesn't even that make any wild. sense. 
I know we're aging ourselves here. I, so I, I, I was born in 93. I'm 28. So I was 92. So, I mean, we're not that like, I mean, we're not we old by any means. Basically. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's oh, that's so go, go ahead, man. Continue with what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, no, you guys. So, um, so I, I got into bow hunting. I grew a passion for it. I grew up on my parents' acreage, which we only have like six acres, but it was enough that, you know, every once in a while you catch a deer walking through or there'd be some turkeys in the back pasture kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. um, I real I remember it must've been in November, I don't know, November evening or something like that. It's kind of when they start rutting, whitetail start rutting. And, uh, for those of you don't, I guess you don't know what rutting is. It's a breeding season for whitetail. Um, but anyway, I was, I was watching this back fence line and I saw a buck chasing a doe around. And I, from what I saw, I was like, oh man, that's a huge buck, you know? And it was probably like a little basket rack, like dink, whatever. (laughs) But to me, I was like, that's a giant deer. Like, oh man, it got me fired up because I'd been watching the videos, the real true videos and stuff like that. And, um, I was just like super interested and I was like, I want to start bow hunting, you know? And so I went to my parents and I was like, Hey, you know, what are the chances of, uh, me being able to get a bow? Cause my parents weren't into hunting. <clears throat> my dad had bird hunted back in college, but never hunted any big game. Yeah. Uh, you know, my uncles, my grandparents, nobody, nobody had bow hunted or whitetail hunted or anything like that. And, uh, all of them, you know, were supportive of it, very supportive of it. Uh, and so I went to my dad and I was like, Hey, I want to get a bow, you know, do you think for like Christmas or something like you guys can buy half and I can buy half kind of thing. Yeah. Or like, I mean, sure. If you actually, <laughs> if you want one, you know, right. yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and so, uh, got my first bow. I started practicing with it. Um, I couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. I was shoot. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Cause I didn't have anybody to teach me, you know? And I was buying like full length arrows from Walmart. I was buying like the cheapest targets from Walmart, like everything. I was shooting fingers with a compound, which nowadays most people are shooting like uh, what's called a trigger release. It's like a handheld trigger release. And um, like the first year I shot with it and I could maybe hit the block target at 20 yards, like the target, not not like a circle on the target, like the target. And, uh, I went out my first time hunting and 28 yards, I had a big mature doe come in and I absolutely smoked her at 28 yards and filled my freezer, filled my parents' freezer, you know, and we were, we were making venison chili. We were making, we were grilling the back straps and making steaks and stuff. And my parents are all about it. Cause now they've got a freezer full of meat. And yep. so, um, and how old were you at that, with, with that first one? Gosh, I was 12 or 13 years old. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I mean, and it's like, Honestly, I think like it was like a, not like a culture shock, but like a shock to my whole family. Yeah. Like, did he seriously just, do, did he <laughs> just go out and like shoot the deer? You Child know, it's went like, out and provided for the family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just why, I mean, when you don't come from a background of, sure. of yeah, you know, bow hunters, especially, and, um, you know, archery was always kind of like a, you know, we had like, when we were seven, eight years old, we had little, me and my brother had little like, fiberglass bows that were like they were maybe like eight pound pole or something there i mean the arrows wouldn't even stick in the target they'd bounce out of it more you know? toys than anything yes yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and so anyway just got into it that way and and from there it progressed right so i got yeah. I, I grew an obsession with hunting and 
Um, I just, I took so much out of bow hunting that applied to my daily life. That was just like discipline. There's so, there's so much discipline in, in hunting. There's so much, um, patience in hunting is massive, you know, um, being able to work the land and figure out different strategic plans in order to make something work when everything's against you, everything, all the odds are against you, right? Like when you're hunting, those animals are, that's their house. You know, you're coming into their house and you're trying to kind of outsmart and outwit something that lives there 24 seven and, and born, born and raised and dies there, you know? And, uh, especially like I'm, I'm anymore, I'm mostly chasing the older age class of animal, right? It's a little bit better for conservation and the fact of it's more, challenging way more challenging to try to take an older age class animal um you want to talk about something that's got things dialed is a six and a half year old whitetail i mean who's who's you know knows everything about every square inch of those woods yeah. and you're and and they live and die by their nose their eyesight their hearing yeah uh, i want to say a whitetail so like we us as humans we have like uh I looked this up the other day because I had somebody ask me a question on Instagram about um, like sin elimination products and stuff in the hunting industry and how well do you think they work and all that. And my answer was like, man, if you're not playing the wind, I don't think you're winning the game because we as humans have, so we have like, I forget what they call them. They're like scent receptors or whatever in our nose, right? They're like scent nodes or something like that. We have like five, right? And like a good tracking dog, like a, like a uh, police canine or anything else has like 220 million and a white tailed deer has like 260 million or something like that. So it's like, you know, we, we can't even fathom the type of smell that these animals have. So like, there's no product on the market that's going to do something. They say it's like, you know, you walk past a bakery and you smell bread. Well, a deer walks past a bakery and they smell, not only the bread, they smell every ingredient ingredient that went into the bread, how much ingredients went into the bread, you know, what the dude had for lunch the next that, you know, the day before who cooked the bread, you know, and it's just like, it's just wild. But it's, it's so, like likening it to how well, I mean, and we as, as, as a species, there are species that don't even like, we don't even see as well as some other mm-hmm. ones, but like that would be our probably best sense you would imagine would be like our eyesight and even that in comparison to others eyesights other species eyesights is nothing but like our eyesight isn't even remotely close as good as their noses like oh yeah yeah you know what i'm saying like that even that like our best chance we've got still doesn't even come close to how good their smell is which is just crazy to think about it's funny you say eyesight so like other species like i just got back um like i was talking about from uh hunting antelope so antelope live and die by their eyesight because they're they live out in the middle of nowhere like open plains you can see for five miles on these open plains just rolling country and uh those animals can pick you off from like to where you're you're looking at them through binoculars and you're like oh there's no way they can see me and they're like (laughs) on point they know exactly what's going on at you they like and they their eyes sit on the side of their head so yeah. they can see like I think it's like 300 degrees. So there's like a very small sliver right behind their ears that they can't see, but they can see, you know, 360 yeah. degrees, which is wild. But um, 
they uh, they say that antelope is like their eyesight would be like us looking through a pair of like eight or ten by binoculars. That's wild. It's crazy. Like you it's know? just stuff that we it, when you think about it, like without it's it's amazing. And when you think about it, with bow hunting specifically, the fact that you have to be so close, right? Mm. But it's amazing that we even stand a chance at all. Like I mean, that's. Oh. With those with those kind of things that we're dealing against, and then just nature in general, weather and all these other things that you have to deal with, like yeah. it's pretty amazing that we've we we've got some good stuff going on too. Apparently, if we can pull this off on oh, a regular yeah. basis, yeah, you know what I'm saying? But it's just sure. crazy to think about for all that, like what you're up against. I don't know so. if it's affecting the audio. I'm gonna kick off the AC. It just popped off oh, you're my. Good. I don't know if that helps the audio at all, but no worries. Um, so, so how did you with with when as Whitetail Fit started like becoming a thing? Did it just it just started as an Instagram thing originally, correct? And that was just like kind of how you built it from there, right? So, believe it or not, so when I started this whole brand, right, yeah. I, I I had a vision for it, and I had like a like I wanted it to be a business. I wanted it to be something that I could eventually go out and do my, you know, be my own boss and do my own thing with it. I needed to figure out how to build that, right? Like the revenue side of things, how to build that. But I always knew that if I was going to build a business out of it, if I was going to make money with it in any shape, in any capacity, I was going to have to pull a tax ID number and I was going to have to register it as a business, right? Right. And so when I actually started Whitetail Fit, believe it or not, I started the Instagram, the Facebook, the Twitter, the YouTube, all on the same day. <laughs> and I went and pulled my tax ID. I registered to pull my tax ID number on that same day as well. So like a couple of weeks later, I was registered as a business, a sole proprietorship and everything. Yeah. And like within like two weeks of, of starting Whitetail Fit. So it was, it was, uh, it kind of always started as like a business model for me sure. um, with, with the, you know, I have a, a huge passion for the outdoors and for hunting anyway. I have a passion for fitness and I started to grow even a couple of years before I started it. So I started it back in 2016, June of 2016. And a couple of years, even prior to that, I had already started filming my hunts because I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed filming my hunts, taking it home, replaying it. And if you get a shot on film, you get to replay it and you, you, you know, maybe the tracking is a little hard or something like that. And you know exactly where you hit that animal or exactly what went wrong or what went right. And, um, so it was just fun to record my hunts anyway. And, you know, I had the influence of, I kind of grew up on the whole VHS and DVD yeah, and watching yeah. people do it. So it was like, all right, this is something I want to do and just try, you know. And the more I did it, the better I got at it. And the more, you know, I would show my friends, my family, the hunts and stuff. And they're like, that's pretty cool. Like, I want to do that. So uh, since I got into bow hunting, um, two of my older brothers have gotten into bow hunting and it was, I think it was like the first or the second year of doing whitetail fit. Um, my, one of my older brothers came to me and was like, Hey, I, I, I mean, he'd never hunted or anything like that. I was like, Hey, I think I want to try like shooting a bow, you know? 
Nice. What do you think? You, you know, could we go to Shields and look at some stuff? So yeah. we went over to Shields and I helped him look through some bows and he just picked, you know, a bow that was comfortable to him and had him shoot a couple different bows and got linked up with it. And he just became obsessed with it too, the archery side of stuff. He started shooting his bow like over and over and over and became very good at it. So um, it's fun to be able to, that was kind of my whole purpose of starting it, right? Was like sharing my passion yeah. and sharing that that influence that hunting had over me. So um, so anyway, I, I started the brand and started rolling with it and rocking with it. And, um, you know, before it, before it ever became like something that was uh business if you will i mean it took a full year yeah uh, i don't think i sold my first like t-shirt or hat or anything like that i think my first run i did like towards the end of the first year sure um and even at that it was you know very small margins and um nothing too crazy with it yeah and then from there i just kept building kept networking kept uh man i would travel all across i still do i travel all across the country and go to different trade shows and different events and um there's something called the ata show for uh archery it's the archery trade association they usually have it in indianapolis they've had it in kentucky i've gone to like all of them since i started this and it's like you know i and that's how you network with companies right you know and i'd go to like ata in uh, in Indianapolis and I'd meet with a company and stuff. And it was kind of cool. Cause like I was able to meet and begin working with some of the people who I would say got me into hunting, right? Like real tree, like David Blanton, um, Tyler Jordan and Bill Jordan of real tree. Those were the people that, you know, Tyler's like my age. So when I was yeah. watching the monster bucks videos and stuff, Bill Jordan's taking Tyler out, his son, and hunting with him. And, and Tyler's like my age in the videos, right? right? So then I go, and now Tyler's like a very large part of Realtree and running a lot of the show now. And, you know, I meet Tyler and, and we just strike it up. We strike up a friendship. And now it's like, now we're business partners together, right? So I work with That's Realtree. Cool. Realtree's one of my partners. And, uh, on top of that, it's like I'm growing friendships with these people that like kind of got me into hunting, you know, That's which awesome. is wild. Like the for whole, me to the, think about the whole networking thing when you like that's as a when you're growing a business, that's everything, right? I mm-hmm. mean, like nobody does anything by themselves, right? yeah. And if somebody says I did all of this 100% on my own, like they're probably bs in you yeah yeah you know along the way you met somebody who did something for you know absolutely and i i i've told the story a couple of times when i was down in south carolina back in may for uh sorenex's event summer strong like i was hanging out with um guys that like i as a coach in a in a in training and that kind of stuff i followed since i was like 14 and like, oh. I'm, I'm getting to have like dinner with them and I'm like friends with them. And like, we, we have, you know, text conversations, stuff like that. Yep. And then, Cause now I'm like, you know, I hang out, I go to these things and I'm, I, it still is like the, man, do I really, should I be here? Kind of, mm-hmm. moment. like you still have yeah. those moments. You're like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Kind of thing. And I'm sitting at this table with like Matt Vincent and Brandon Lilly and like all these guys. And we're just like talking. And then it's just like, yeah, I, you know, that's what these events are for is to connect. These yeah. hundred percent. And like, if anything else, just like have a like cool relationship with someone else. Like, even if you like, and that's the other thing 
a lot of people I've found will kind of with nefarious purposes go to these events to pursue like the other end of the friendship, right? Like I'm going to try to talk to this person. So just that I can like, yeah, yeah. Make money out of the end of it. Right. Yeah. And that usually most people can spot that. Oh yeah. When you go, when you go to those shows or like those events or like you come at somebody and it's like, if you're actually there to just contribute Mm -hmm. and do your thing and then like just connect with people, and you know build relationships that's what the whole thing is for and that's going to be yeah. way more beneficial long term anyways you know? yeah and i think networking just in 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 general right getting getting a different that's why i like listening to the joe rogan podcast so much because it's like uh it's very he's not very one-sided on like anything right so he brings a lot of different people on a lot of different personalities and they just talk you know that's that's one thing that's that's easy for me to digest because I'm so interested in in other people's thoughts on things. I might not agree with them, but I would like I would like to explore those thoughts, right? And then make my own decisions off of based off of maybe somebody else's experience that I haven't experienced, but they just explained it to me and now I'm going to go make a life decision off of off of that, right? Whether it's good or bad. And yeah. Um, I think that all comes down. You pull a lot of that away from networking too. And just, just being a friendly person and just being a positive person. Like when you interact with people in your daily life, you can take away so much that applies to your life in terms of, you know, moving yourself forward and maybe helping those grow too. You know, I I don't know, whatever, whatever, uh, whatever struggles they've got going on in life or whatever else, maybe there's something that you were put in that place at that time to talk to them about, you know? Exactly. And so I, I'm a big believer in networking and just, just friendships and connections and stuff. And, and just being a positive person, I think is huge. It's shocking that that would, and actually like, that's way more common than we're told it is like, you know what I, know. I mean? Yeah. But like that's, that's, that's just what being a good person is about (laughs) that's just the basis of it you know it's that and we would not be led to believe that that is happening as much as it is if you Mm -hmm. were to pay attention to most media of any kind not even just news which i don't watch news at all anyways but like even just scrolling through like i mean both of our probably primary outlets of marketing is through something like Instagram, right? Yeah. 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 Social yeah, YouTube, social media in general, just like even just perusing through that, like you would, you would be led to believe that the world is crap all the time and like people are horrible and that's, you know, that's just not the case and stuff like that. It's like, that's common sense stuff. I would, I would tend to believe that most people, probably also feel that way but those aren't what we're shown you know yeah. which is yeah. a bummer yeah i think most most people was that a luke bryan song or something like that like most people are good or i believe most people are good yeah exactly um so as this thing progresses you've got like the youtube thing became probably like a really huge part of it right because you do a lot of the longer form uh videos and then you do like your uh vacation stuff that's yep. like that that's actually i saw you post about the day that's coming up here fairly soon right yeah so uh that's like a huge project every year what can you talk about that for yeah yeah absolutely so um with like i say all at the same time i started my youtube i started my instagram facebook yeah. twitter all that at the, oh and launched my website so um i wore a i still do wear a lot of hats in this whole thing like 
Mm-hmm. Um, I built my own website. Uh, all of my market, a hundred percent of my marketing I've done all my social media is built all my social media is every single post has come from me, not from an automated anything. Um, everything that you see of whitetail fit is Joel Burham doing it right. hundred percent of everything. I mean, even down to like my t-shirt designs, my hat designs, I've just now this year started subbing out, um, some design work because I've kind of like overloaded myself with what my capabilities are in turn in, in design, right? Totally. I, I mean, I've ran, I'd have to look on the website, but I've ran like over a hundred some different designs for products, 120, 130 des- different designs, right? When you make that many designs for a t-shirt, you start getting like creative burnout and you need other people's, other people's like creative knowledge, just like we were talking about with networking and stuff. It's like other people's influence, right? And, uh, so anyway, I've just started hiring out some, some like subcontracting of, of, uh, design work. So, um, but anyhow, yeah. So the, so the, all of those came up together, the YouTube, the Instagram, all of those came up together and one would grow faster than another. Typically the Instagram was growing a little bit faster than the YouTube. And then all of a sudden the YouTube would catch up to the Instagram. And then it was like, you know, then the Instagram would start crawling a little bit and then the YouTube would catch up and it, it was all very relational to each other in terms of, uh, you know, if I, if my Instagram was growing, it was probably because I was out on a hunt and, and pumping content through Instagram. Mm. Well, when the YouTube grows is when I upload that hunt and <laughs> right. through the YouTube, right? So, um, both of those kind of came up together, but YouTube is a massive focus for me right now. Um, it always has been, but it's become more and more of a focus just because, um, I really enjoy it. I've, I've gotten to a point where I want to do what I enjoy the most. And a lot of that obviously is hunting and, um, with hunting, I'm carrying a camera everywhere. So I'm getting content to produce for Instagram or or for YouTube and Instagram both. But, um, so my YouTube, the, the rutcation series, I started this uh, while I was still working full-time construction. So it was truly a rutcation. Like I was taking time off from work that was like, I wasn't getting paid for it. I'd already blown all my free, all, all my paid time off, which wasn't much. I'd already blown all my paid time off like earlier in the year going to trade shows sure. and trying to network, right? So by the time season came around, any time that I had off, it was just like out of pocket time. And I had to convince my bosses that it was like, Hey, you know, uh, is it okay if I take like two weeks off during like the best time of year to be pouring concrete, which is the fall, you know, it's not blazing hot and it's not freezing cold and you're not getting those swings, those thermal swings when you're pouring concrete. And it's like, can I take two weeks off of work (laughs) during that time? Right. And my bosses are, were amazing people. They understood my passions. Um, they had, uh, they knew what I was doing. I mean, it wasn't any secret, right? Like it's a public whitetail fit is a public brand. Like, right. In turn, I mean, I haven't gone public. You can't buy stocks with me, but it's like, right. <laughs> you know, but it's like, you weren't keeping it, it a secret. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. out there. I mean, I had like half the people at the construction company wearing my hats and t-shirts, <laughs> like cool. employees of the construction company. So it's okay. like, it's no secret that I was, you know, trying to hustle and get my work in. 
Yeah. And uh, so anyway, um, for like at that point, I was doing it. I started out doing it one full week. And then after that week, I, then I did it like two full weeks and or a week and a weekend, you know, and I would just yeah. do what I would call the rutcation series. And first it started as two different states. I did Nebraska and Missouri. And then I branched off and I did uh, Rutcation 2.0. So every year is like Rutcation, Rutcation 2.0, and then this year will be 3.0. And um, I'm just expanding and growing more states. And, and now I'm up to three weeks straight. So I do three weeks straight of semi-live series videos. So every single day I'm uploading a video for three weeks. And it's probably like what I filmed the day previous right is what's going up that next day so right um i overlap it a little bit to give myself like a little with editing and stuff like give yourself breathing room in terms of like every once in a while your computer screws up and it doesn't want to render video and it doesn't want to upload or whatever else and then it's like man i'm a day behind people are expecting videos and and not that anybody honestly probably really cares that much but i put i put like a um like a quality control on my end, right? Where it's sure. like, I have a lot invested into this stuff and I want it to be a certain way. So um, I just want to make sure I've got that buffer. But yeah, it's yeah. it's a ton of work, but oh my gosh, it's a ton of fun. And I get to hunt with some great people. I, I've always, I've always uh, been very blessed and thankful for like the friendships that I have inside of the hunting space because I've, I've been able to network and just, yeah. grow awesome relationships with great people and and be able to go on some cool hunts along the way you know everything is still um over the counter diy tags do-it-yourself tags um awesome i've never i've never hunted with like a guided out outfitter ever yeah. um i've got nothing against it it just costs a lot of money yeah. <laughs> and right <laughs> and i don't like i would rather i would rather spend like if I'm going say I'm going to do a high country mule deer hunt or the antelope hunt or just any kind of whitetail hunt or something that's just like an over-the-counter tag, I would rather spend a couple hundred dollars on a tag and bet on myself to get the hunt done sure. or go home empty-handed than to spend $5,000 at an outfitter for like five days or six days and you might not get it. You still might not right. shoot it. Right. It's not a guarantee that you'll get no, something. You know, no. maybe some better chances, but there's no right. guarantee that you'll still come away with anything. Right. And that's why I go back to like, I like the challenge of bow hunting. So when it comes down, I'm not opposed to going on an outfitted hunt, but it would yeah. have to be like heavily paid for me to do that because I don't yeah. want to pay money, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I don't know. We'll see if that comes right. in like sweet, but other gonna keep my bags and just doing it so so uh do you wait to announce where you're going for the youtube series when it comes out or are you so i i will when um i will when i launch so every year i launch like the trailer okay do to the rotation but i mean it's not i'm not like keeping it a secret this year i'm gonna do uh nebraska missouri oklahoma and probably texas so i might be doing four states this year Nice. So, uh, so this has become a, I've had a handful, uh, probably a half dozen or so just in the last couple of months of guys <laughs> on the show in the outdoors world. Mm-hmm. And so this has actually become like 
the question I have to ask all of them when they come on. What is, so it's actually a two-part question. I could assume the first answer because it's the name of your company. What is your favorite game to hunt? And then what do you think is, and this is what you've done so far, so not like what you haven't done and want to do. What is the most difficult? Mm. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to answer that in a couple of in a couple of different okay. phases, right? Okay. So favorite is whitetail. Yep. Um, that's a given. <laughs> yep, that's a given. That would, that right? would seem obvious. So, so um my favorite would be whitetail uh just be just because it is like something that I've always done and I've grown like that's I cut my teeth on whitetail hunting. Yep. Um knowledge-wise I'm like I'm like very versed in whitetail hunting. Um, I haven't, I haven't done, like I've never hunted moose in Alaska. So like you put me in Alaska and say, Hey, go kill a moose. It's probably like, there's a chance I could get it done and figure it out just because of what I was talking about earlier with like, with like immersing yourself in the outdoors, you learn a lot of outdoor traits right? You learn how the basic knowledge stuff. Yeah. The basic knowledge, the crafts, you know, the bushcraft and how the world works. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, so you could take anybody who's got hunting experience, you know, 10 plus years of hunting experience and drop them in a spot and they might be able to get something done, but I've never moose hunted before. So I'm not like well-versed in moose hunting. Right. Um, I am in whitetail hunting just because I've done it so much. So in that sense, I, that's probably like my top animal. Like I would, okay. if no other animal existed and I just had to hunt whitetail the rest of my life, I wouldn't be like mortified. I mean, yeah, I like hunting other animals, but I love whitetail. So, um, in terms of what's the most difficult. So there's, there's kind of a two part to that. I would never say that whitetail is the most difficult on a physical standpoint. In fact, it's probably one of the least difficult hunts in terms of um, like broad spectrum, right? Like all of the animals that you can hunt out there, whitetail, I mean, aside from like turkey, uh, whitetail is probably going to be on the lower end of the physical spectrum, right? Okay. Uh, Probably one of the most physical hunts that I've done is high country mule deer. And I did it four years in a row. And this, no, I'm sorry. This would have been the fourth year. Um, but I pulled, I, I slipped a disc in my lower back. So I couldn't, I couldn't go up and do that hunt this year. Um, but, uh, the high country mule deer hunt was like top of the physical hunts that I've done. Okay. Uh, elk hunting is pretty close behind it. Um, and that was kind of pretty high country too. It was still like 9,800 feet. I shot my deer at like 10,000 feet in wow. Utah. Yeah. And it's up in the, man, it's like, it's like rock shoots, shale rock, cliff ledges. I yeah. mean, it's like, it's up there. It, you're up there in the mountains. And so that one's a pretty physical hunt because you got to pack in. There's no, on the Utah hunt, there's no water up that high. So you've yeah. got to pack in your water to camp. And, um, it's just a lot of weight. It's a lot of weighted pack. Um, you know, you're four and a half miles from the trailhead hiking. You're, it's just steep, everything and everything. And so I, I hunt something called the Wasatch front in Utah. And if anybody's familiar with the Wasatch front, it's like straight up and straight down. There's nothing flat about it anywhere. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
So to actually go up there and kill a mature animal is very, very hard because they know they know how to use the saddles and the ridge lines and the valleys, and they know where to feed and to be out of danger, and um, they rely on their senses. So that one's a very hard hunt. Um, physically speaking, probably high country mule deer or um, just elk hunting in any of yeah. the West States is very physical. Um, they're big animals, so if you get one down, the pack out is heavy. Yeah, very heavy, uh, multiple trips. And a lot of times you're hunting them multiple miles in. So you're, you know, the elk hunt in Idaho, I killed my bull last year, um, actually on the hike out of, it was a seven or eight day hunt and the hike out, I killed it like three miles from the trailhead, but we were hunting anywhere from five to eight to 10 miles. Right. So if I had killed a bull 10 miles in, we got to pack a bull 10 miles out, 10 miles out. Yeah. You know, even with two of us, it would still be multiple trips at 10 miles out. So you yeah. kill a bull, you hike in and hike out twice. You know, yeah. that's a lot of hiking. That's covering <laughs> some ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And not and, easy co- and not easy ground covering. <laughs> no, not easy yeah. country at all. I mean, like, yeah. like dense, dense country. So yeah. that's it. Um, so I would say physical wise, most difficult probably the Western big game being mule deer, elk and stuff. Now I would say, and some people will probably, some people might agree and some people might disagree with this. I would say the most difficult in terms of, in terms of actually killing, like actually putting one on the ground is a mature whitetail. They, they are, um, they're next level smart. Most of them go pretty well nocturnal until certain parts of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, if you bust them once in an area, they probably won't come back to that. Like they know they have a, some reason they have like a sixth, a sixth sense of a memory. That's just like, Oh, I didn't like something over here freaking two and a half years ago. So I'm just, <laughs> you know, so it's like, it's just, it's wild. And then other deer have different, they have, they all have like their own, I call them the, their personalities, right? They have their own personalities and it's just, they're some deer act completely different than other deer and figuring out, figuring out the mindset of a mature whitetail, I think is one of the most difficult. And I've killed elk. I've killed mule deer. Yep. I've killed antelope. You know, I, one of the hardest animals to figure out exactly how to kill them is a mature whitetail in my opinion but okay. i like the answer because that's we've had pretty much one of everything now so <laughs> every, like everybody's co- we've got the whole spectrum covered on what everybody has previously thought was the toughest so yeah that was so what would be one that you haven't done that's like what's your what if you had to pick one today that you haven't done what's the first one on your list you want to do if you got to do anything hunt wise mm. I mean, if money, if money was endless. Yeah. Just like any or, ever, and you could just pick it to go on. Like that's your next trip. What are you doing? Probably like, probably either like desert bighorn or doll sheep, but that would be, I don't think that will ever happen. Hmm. I mean, like maybe it will, but like yeah. just, just the sheer cost the money people spend twenty, thirty thousand dollars on a bighorn sheep hunt, you know. Yeah. So it's like unless you get into a uh 
a lottery system or a draw or something because a lot of the alaska hunts you like have to be guided on right so you have yep. to go through an outfitter yep um and the money it costs to do those hunts is like unreal amount and of money then, and so. then like here in idaho too it's not on a lottery system for anything and mm. so you've got the same crappy chances every single yeah. year especially if you're a non-resident like right. it's you got even worse chances than residents and even those aren't great for some of those and then for moose sheep and mountain goat in idaho they're once in a lifetime tags yeah. only so like you get yep. them you're literally never going to get them again but i've had friends who uh, like them and like in their dad specifically, I've had a friend whose dad has put in for a moose tag for like 36 years and never gotten one. Yeah. And, and so it's just like, you're probably never going to get one, but you keep that's, doing that's it every year is. anyways, that's, you know, that's how elk is in Nebraska. It's a once, you know, a bull, I think a cow tag, I want to say like, if you draw a cow tag and you shoot a cow, I think like five year lap, Mm -hmm. laps you can maybe get another cow tag or something but if you draw a bull tag and you shoot a bull it's a once in a lifetime tag so that's wild and that's i mean that's just on the probably you said like the western edge of, yeah yeah because we don't state, really have right? you, you every once in a while you get like a satellite bull that just like gets a wild hair and wanders down the river systems but yeah for the most part the majority of all of like the big elk herds and stuff yeah. are all west so yeah it's uh, which is crazy because I mean that's like a just a well they originated a plains animal yeah like elk were originally a plains animal we were covered up in them in in Nebraska I mean they were everywhere all all yeah. throughout the east and everything but um, they congregated and now they live in the mountainous areas but uh, yeah they were originally a plains animal Nebraska used to have a ton of elk it's wild because that's I mean elk in Idaho you just like. I mean, that's a easy tag to get. You can, anybody mm -hmm. can go get, especially if you're doing archery, like yeah. that's anybody can go get archery tag and hunt in September in mm -hmm. Idaho. I mean, there's some draws and other stuff if you go rifle, but yeah, yeah. it's just wild that. How and Idaho's a sweet, state. I mean, a, a sweet state. Like I, yeah. I just like Idaho in general. Um, but on top of that, being able to go and bow hunt elk or mule deer, I've never mule deer hunted in Idaho. I always, I always do like Utah, but um I mean, it's an incredible state. I, just everything is beautiful. You know, everything just awesome. So yeah, totally. The one, uh, the one thing that kind of sucked on my elk hunt last year was there was a bunch of wildfires in Montana that were blowing over, Dude. and we got like the second or third day we got covered up in smoke, and like yeah. I we couldn't even glass across the same canyon to the other side of the. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't glass anything. It was just all smoke, but it cleared up after a couple of days. But unfortunately, been, there's a lot of wildfires. That's been like my life for almost two months now here. All the fires everywhere are just like to this week. It's finally cooled down in the evening. So it's starting to dampen a lot of that stuff and push it out. So today, like this week was the first couple of days in like a month that I could look farther than like three blocks down the street from my wow. house clearly. And it's, it's so bad at sometimes like they put air quality, like warnings out and like kids aren't allowed to go outside for recess at school. Cause like the air quality so bad from all the smoke and like, that's fairly regular occurrence during the early parts of the wow. school year. So, I mean, it's just one of those things that's like, we don't have floods or like hurricanes or tornadoes, stuff like mm -hmm. that, but just the entire area is on fire. And then also Yellowstone might blow up and 
and disintegrate everybody and <laughs> anyways around around us. so it's just we have di- we have our own things we deal with up here <laughs> yeah oh yeah for sure um so let's talk training for a minute too because the latter half of whitetail fit is the fit part so yeah definitely training wise uh how did what is your i mean do you follow kind of one I don't even like to say routine because I hate that, but uh, mm-hmm. methodology or, or do you kind of just test a bunch of stuff and see what works? Cause you're app, you're, you're making this very applicable for a very specific purpose. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So a lot of this has to be directly, uh, directly applicable to what you're doing and practical. So what does yeah. your training usually look like both in season, out of season prep? How does, yeah. how does that change throughout the year? Yeah, definitely. So, um, Again, like I'd said, in terms of, you know, what's the most difficult hunt physically, well, a lot of that is the Western big game, right? Elk, your mule deer, stuff like that. But a lot of the way that I hunt whitetail, I hunt it with a very Western attitude. Um, I've killed a lot of deer off the ground. I do a lot of spot and stock. Um, when I am hunting, I'm, when I am tree stand hunting, I'm typically doing hanging hunts, which is you're carrying your tree stand and your climbing sticks and everything in with you. I hunt a lot of public ground and there's big sections of public ground that I hunt and you're, you might be hiking your tree stand in a mile, two miles and hanging it in a tree and then hunting that day, taking it back out of the tree and hiking it back out. So in that sense, there's, there's some physical, um, attributes to whitetail hunting but the the fit part of whitetail fit was just like meat i think people get that confused sometimes it's like well do you think you got to be super fit to go hunt whitetail like i can kill white you know it's like no i i honestly like i'm not telling anybody that they have to be like in really good shape to go whitetail hunting because honestly you don't like if you want to hunt them with a rifle or something out of a box blind do you that's hunting yeah. that's, that's fun you know it's, it's what you want to do and whatever else but so like whitetail fit was just two of my passions right so sure. like whitetail hunting was a passion and fitness was a passion and i kind of wanted to branch off into both spaces but i didn't know how to do that so i was like whitetail yeah. fit i like whitetail hunting i like fitness Sounds i'm gonna nice. bring both these together <laughs> and i'm gonna spread it and share it and people can pick up what they want from it and follow yeah. along and just have fun that was that was the whole is like a lifestyle brand concept, right? So, totally. um, so anyway, but I do use the physical side for whitetail hunting a lot. Typically a lot of my, um, out of season training leading up to the fall, I'm, ty- I'm typically training for my Western hunts. So sure. every year, um, starting mid August, I go out to Utah and do a high country mule deer hunt. And then either Idaho or Colorado for elk and, you know, South Dakota for antelope. So I'm, I'm traveling the West quite a bit and, and hunting. So typically I train for my Western hunts leading up to season. And then after my Western hunts, I'm in like tip top shape for my whitetail hunts. Cause I just went through the worst yeah. of the worst. Right. Yep. Um, so anyway, but my training during the year. So like when I get after like mid January, I do an Arizona mule deer coos hunt in Arizona. And after that, I'll start kind of getting back into a different routine, which would be like my summertime, like getting through the summer of routine. Um, so my training switches up a lot. I don't, I don't focus on like just CrossFit or just traditional weightlifting or powerlifting or, 
I probably do strength and conditioning more than anything and CrossFit more than anything. But I, I implement like what I want to implement out of those totally uh, routines. Do you do so like every time I go to the for, gym? Oops, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, you're good. Every time I go to the gym, I write out my own workout for that day. Okay. And I stick to that workout, and then. Like I don't overlap muscle groups very much. So like if I, you know, if I just did something that was, uh, you know, say on Wednesday, I go and I work out and I have like a heavy back day or a shoulder day or something. The next day I'm not going to do back or shoulders. I'm going to do something else, right? It might incorporate a little bit of both, but it's it's targeting a different muscle group in in with each workout, which I guess kind of goes back to more of like a traditional style weightlifting. Yeah. But, um, with those muscle groups, I'm kind of like fine tuning the workout to what movements I'm going to be doing. If it's snatch cleans, if it's, you know, overhead dumbbells, if it's, uh, maybe it's sprints, maybe it's explosion sprints or sled sprint, Mm -hmm. um, battle ropes, or maybe it's just literally traditional style, like curls, you know, Mm -hmm. different, just whatever I'm doing, I'm, I'm typically implementing different, um, from every genre, sure. you know, it's just yeah. what, I, what I like from every genre. But, um, during the off season, I do a lot of that. I do a lot of focus on, on just conditioning each and every muscle muscle group. Yeah. And then the closer I get to season. So about two or three months out from my Western hunts, depending on what time the first hunt starts, I kind of go into like almost like an eight week camp, like a training, if you would, for a fight. Right. So in that eight week camp, I'm conditioning myself for my first Western hunt and to be able to sustain myself through all of the Western hunts. And with that comes a lot more strength and conditioning type movements um, to where you're you're getting your breathing right you're getting your um cardiovascular system like on point because mm-hmm. with hiking at high altitude with a heavy pack it's it'll it'll beat you into the ground if all you did all year was bulk up and lift weights and get heavy as heavy as you've ever been and you've got massive muscles that's all right. fine and well until you hit the mountain right like then your muscles suck all your oxygen out and you've got no cardiovascular you, you're like your endurance is shot Mm-hmm. And you try to hide, it's just, it, you can do it, but it makes for a really, uh, daunting hunt for yeah. sure. You know, you want to enjoy yourself when you're out there. And, and that's one thing that like, I, 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 I share a lot is, you know, every, every like whitetail hunter's dream is to go out West and bow hunt elk during the rut. That's pretty much like everyone I talk to who whitetail hunts is like, man, I want to do an elk hunt. I want to go out and do an elk hunt. And, you know, one thing I will say with elk hunting over whitetail hunting, if you get out to the elk woods and you haven't trained a day in your life and, and you're, you know, for lack of better words, out of shape or fat, you're going to have a bad day, a bad day. The first day of the hunt, you're going to be like, why did I buy the tag? Why did I drive out here? Why did I spend all the fuel to drive out here? Because the first day you want to like blow your knees out and just cry in the mountain. Yep. You know, I mean, it's a, you can get pretty physical on some of these hunts. Like me and my hunting buddy, like we go hard when, yep. when we're in the elk woods, it's like, we're finding elk, you know, yep. 
So go um, until you find them. We're just going to keep yeah. walking until you find them. Yep, exactly. Yep. So a lot of times, you know, I I think it's, and that's with anything in in life. Is just I think keeping a healthy core, yep. just a, a healthy, stable body mm-hmm. all year long. I think is beneficial for everything and everybody. Whether you're a hunter, whether you're whether you uh, work at a desk every day, I don't care what you do. If you if you stay healthy, that's like that's top of life, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, peak performance. So, um, that's that's just one thing that like that's why I utilize training a lot is my Western. Hunt. But like I say, once I get through my Western hunts, like I'm dialed for whitetail. Like there's nothing yeah, to white still ready. Yeah, you're still you're still on point and ready for that. Yeah, and all get- of that. All of that is fine and well if you don't injure yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Which you and, recently did, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I I my I had I had to substitute my high country mule deer and hunt I had to substitute my high country mule deer hunt in Utah this year for South Dakota antelope. Okay. Um and my elk hunt, I flat wasn't even able to go on my elk hunt. And um which has been like mentally taxing on me. Cause I like, yeah. I've been training all year for it and like wanting to do it all year. Like I say, it's like leading up to a fight, right? You got right. an eight week camp. And then, you know, on the last day of the last week of camp, you hyperextended your knee and now yeah. you can't throw kick and now you're out of the game. Now you're not fighting, you know? And it's like, everything leads up to that moment until you get an injury. And I think overtraining, um, Overtraining can be part of that, but I also think like the things you do on a daily basis um, that you don't really take into account, right? You're like, oh man, I'm I'm in great shape. I'm in, I'm you know everything's moving well, everything's good, but you don't take into account that like like right before. So some context: I I slipped a disc in my lower back about at this point. It's about a month ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing deadlifts super lightweight i had 45s on the bar and um i mean i snatched clean with 45s like no problem like and so it it was uh it was like mentally taxing because yeah oh you you work all the way up to that and then you slip a disc in your lower back and you're like how did this happen right well how that happened was so I go out and shoot the total archery challenge. I don't know if you've ever heard of the total yep. archery challenge, but yep. um, it's in the Western States, this big 3d archery shoot. Um, I think they have them in the East too, but like the ones I co- go to are typically in the West, but I drove like 14 and a half hours to Utah to shoot the total archery challenge, shot it for three days, hiked around in the mountain for three days, got back in the truck and drove. I mean, we left Utah at like 6 PM and I drove through the night, all through the morning into like, we got home at like 10 a.m. or something the next day. And I drove the whole time. I'm stupid. I should have let my brother drive part of it, but I'm just like headstrong. And it's like, no, I'm good. Like I'm, you know, whatever. And just kept driving. Well, my truck has 340,000 miles in it. It's a 7.3 diesel, but like all the interior has 340,000 miles. So the seats are shot in it. The seats are blown out. You know, your back is slumping the whole time. And I was super tight every time I'd pull over and do a, and, uh, uh, fill up with fuel. I'm like my lower backside. I'm like, gosh, man, my lower back hurts, you know, whatever. I'm like, oh, whatever. Kept driving. 
got home at like 10 a.m. or something, went and took a nap, went to the gym. And I think it was the next morning, went to the gym. And, you know, I didn't stretch. I didn't do anything you're supposed to. And I went into deadlifts. And on my fourth set of eight deadlifts, I was just doing like, like, uh, like slow and controlled deadlifts, right? Sure. And on my fourth set of eight with 135 pounds on the bar, I like blow out my lower back big time, slipped a disc. It put me on the ground. I couldn't stand. I couldn't walk on my own. I mean, it was like blew it out bad. And I, the whole time I'm like, how did this happen? How did this happen? It's like, well, cause you just drove in a car for 30 hours straight, you idiot. And then <laughs> you didn't for two stretch. Seconds, you're like, Oh yeah, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> and you didn't stretch. And so it's like the, the things, the things you do even outside of the gym, you can injure yourself. Oh, right. Totally. And it's prolonged, it's prolonged stuff like that. And it's, yeah. so it's just taking your, taking care of your body all around. And the whole time I'm in Utah, I'm eating like crap. I'm eating everything that's going to cause inflammation in joints, like everything. Yeah. And you know, it, it all just adds up. But so, but from that, it affected my Western hunts. Cause like yeah. I went and I substituted the South Dakota or, or the Utah trip for South Dakota antelope and I re-injured my back. And that's nowhere near as physical a hunt as the Utah right. trip. Right. You know? So it's like, so then I re-injured it and I came back and I'm like, there's no way I can do my elk hunt. Yeah. Like there's that's just no way man. I'm going to slip a disc four miles in on the mountain. And then my buddy's going to have to pack me out. Like, right. <laughs> where is cool. it? Where is it as far as your recovery right now? How is it feeling? Right now? I feel like, good. Okay. Um, I feel really good right now. So I was doing physical therapy the first two weeks just to try to get myself to do the mule deer hunt. And then even after that, it was like, okay, let's, uh, let's sub in the antelope hunt you know, kind of put the mule deer hunt on the back burners. I might still out go out and do that hunt, but it's going to have to be in like late October or November. Yeah. Uh, but right now I feel good, but it's because I'm not pushing myself. Yeah. Like when I go to the gym, it's pretty much upper body stuff right now. Um, if I'm doing anything with my back or lower body of any type of load, it's just from stretching or doing band work. Sure. Um, just because like, I do not want to slip it again. Like yeah. if I slip it again, I'm like, I'm in, I'm in a world hurt. Cause this was, I think this was all pretty much the same injury from a pre-existing injury back in my early twenties. So I didn't even start working out until I was 18 years old. And, um, when I was like 20 or 21 years old, um, I was like, a I was 155 pound body weight. And I was deadlifting 385. And good, man. because I didn't, bec it's only because I didn't have the form. Right. Like I was deadlifting with my lower back, basically. Like right. you can deadlift like more. Get it off the ground. <laughs> yeah. 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 You can deadlift more weight than you think you, than, you know, if you're doing it wrong. And you're probably like at an 80% threshold for injury. Yeah. And I just, I, I was deadlifting 385. I think I was on my like third pole of just the first day. It was like a, it was a max day. Every day was max day back then. Every day <laughs> yeah. was max day. Like you get together with your buddies and it's like, Oh, let's go max on bench. Yeah. Oh, let's go max on deadlift, you know, squats. Yeah. Oh, let's max them. So, um, I think it was my third pole and I got it like two inches off the ground and like blew out my back big time. Yeah. 
And that recovery, because I didn't know any better and I just kept going throughout the year to the gym and, and like slightly re-injuring it here, that recovery took me like a year or more. Like to feel, you didn't to feel like right. The actual time to let it recover and just kind of yeah. drag, drug it on yeah. longer than it should have been. So I, I learned my lesson with this one, you know, just thinking back on that and how long that injury took me. Yes. I learned my lesson with this one in terms of like, okay, you might be feeling good, but that doesn't mean that you are technically good. The, the month, the, your strain is still there. The injury is still there. It's still trying to rebuild itself and still trying to recover don't push it if you don't have to. So that's just kind of where I've been, um, with that. So take your, take your, uh, like recovery and stretching. And it's funny, you, we were talking about, um, Kiki yeah. here in Lincoln. She's, she's like, she's been texting me and giving me some advice and stuff on, on, she knows her stuff like yep. with, with stretching and just mobility, opening up your hips and like, yep um she got some really good stuff so she's been helping me out there and and uh i've just been kind of listening to her and doing what i do at the gym when i am at the gym and yeah so but for right now i've been kind of taking a back a back pedal on the gym and just letting recovery happen and not pushing it not hurting myself again and then then i'll get back into it full bore again here in probably another month i'll probably before especially especially while you're technically you know in season right now yeah and the the training isn't with a priority during the season it's yeah the stuff that you're training for so i mean as long yep. as you're healthy and able to you know move well and oh yeah like you said like go back to these places and not be a liability when you go to these places then mm-hmm. you know it would, you're in good enough shape from doing this for a decade that it's like yeah. you know a few weeks off isn't gonna wreck and that's yeah. like an important thing to note too like that's part of what is so beneficial about training and building strength and endurance and, and having good sets of muscle mass. It's like you build up essentially like this savings account, mm-hmm. right? And like, you're just depositing every time you train, you're depositing into this savings account. And then if you have to take some time off, it's not like it's going to just empty out your savings. And now you have right. to start, like you're going to be completely out of shape and all this kind of stuff. Like you've built this up, like you'll be okay for a little while like that's why you do it is so you can like be okay if you take off some time and and still have you know strength and endurance and muscle Mm -hmm. mass and it's not just gonna disappear in an afternoon like a lot of people would assume it was i can never miss the gym because yeah like i don't want to lose everything i had i'm like well okay that's yeah it's it's sustained muscle mass it's over over a period of time you've built something and it's not just going to go away with you know, two weeks of lifting, you know, exactly. So that is, you've got how long then until you're big until all the rutcation stuff starts. So rutcation, I'll probably start like October 20th ish. Okay. So a few weeks, got a little, about a month, I guess. Yep. Yeah. About a month out from now. And then that'll run through November. Actually, I might run it through November 18th or 20th so it might even be four weeks long this year cool that's awesome so, yeah it's gonna be a, gonna be a lot of back-to-back but it'll be fun I, I've, I've been i've been looking forward to it because like i said i haven't been able to do my regular elk hunt you know i've got my buddies are out there elk hunting and my buddy shot a cow and uh i've got another friend in idaho she shot her bull uh my buddy eric 
he shot his bull. He's headed to Colorado to get another bull. And like, I'm getting all these texts and FaceTime videos of like, dude, oh, no crazy luck, dude. Check it out. You know, it's like, I'm sitting here like, dude, Way I can't rub even, it in. Like, it's killing me, you know, but, and when, you know, I, I'm like, it is what it is. You know, it, it's, yeah. it, you know, you can't sit and dwell on it for too long. I, I mean, Lord knows I've sat and dwelled on it for too yeah. long because, right. you know, you get in these like lulls of like, Oh my gosh, you know, I wish I could be out there hunting. And it's like, well, you got to take care of yourself. Like totally quit screwing around, you know? So totally. Um, well, we're rolling up on around an hour now, so we'll get out of here. Uh, thank you, man, for coming on. This is Yeah, absolutely. Chat. It doesn't feel like uh, an hour crazy. Out I know it kind of flies by, huh? Uh, so where like give all the links and the, and the accounts of everything where everybody can follow what's going on. Yeah, definitely. So if you just look up whitetail fit mm-hmm. on anything, so in Google, on YouTube, Instagram, whatever, uh, you'll find me. It's just whitetail fit. Um, and then my website is whitetailfit.com. And that's where I sell all my merch, my whitetail fit gear. This is like the yeah. tagged out teeth, got some oh, those arrows cool. and stuff on the back, just fun, fun stuff, fun shirts and stuff. This is a new hat that I'm launching October 2nd along with some camo hats and stuff like that. So, um, that's all on whitetailfit.com. You can find it there. I also sell like camping gear, uh, from King's camo. I sell, um, like my own arrow wraps and veins and stuff for the archery guys who are interested. And, um, so yeah, anywhere is just whitetail fit. If you look it up, you'll find me. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you making the time today and we'll have to do it after uh, we wrap up all the season stuff maybe and do like a wrap up thing on how everything yeah, went. Yeah, do a tune up. So, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, man. This was fun. Awesome. Thanks, brother. Mm-hmm.